A groovy morning song. Hey, look, we got the dancing coffee cup. That means we're almost, almost back to speed, guys. Oh, what a day, what a day, what a day. It's Tuesday, mid-month. If you're in the military, this is payday. Oh, we got a big pop-up. Had some kind of weird pop-up over there from the YouTubes. Not sure what it meant, but it's gone now, so I have no idea. We'll get rid of the coffee cup. Good morning, good morning. Got our Illy coffee wrapped up in our Missouri Route 66 cup. Missouri, the show me state, if you've been there. Love to go down Route 66. That'd be a cool little trip. Get an old car, cruise down Route 66. Get your kicks out there on Route 66. Lots going on, Cyber World. Some things we see, I'm, I'm red back here. That's strange. Um, turn red if I go back. Credential stuffing attacks. We're going to spend some time talking about this morning. It's not the first time it's been in the news. It's probably not the last time it's been in the news, but what can you, what can you do about it? What can you do about it with your friends? What can you do about it with your, your coworkers, your 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 buddies, your, your organization, how can you deal with credential stuffing? That's one of the things we have to deal with. Oh, today, because it's in the news, the FBI is talking about credential stuffing. Um, Gartner's in the news as well, um, talking about zero trust. Those are two stories we're going to zero in on. We're going to zero in on zero trust. We're going to zero in on credential stuffing. Um, we're going to talk a lot about those. Oh. If you guys didn't know, we're on YouTube now. Oh, we're on YouTube. If you didn't know, we're on iTunes now. So if you want to listen to the audio-only version of this, you can find it on iTunes. So you go to iTunes and pull it down. Cup of Cyber. You'll find it if you search for Cup of Cyber. It's out there. We're getting a few people pulling it down every day. Not a ton. It's just new. We've had it out there. We've got a dozen or so episodes out there. So if you can't watch the live stream, you know, you want to drive down the road listening to what we got to say, what we're going to talk about, your daily dose of cyber news, taking and unpacking the news of the day in the cyber world. We're not going to mess around with Cardi B. We're not going to mess around with what's going on with the NFL. We're going to talk about cyber. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about what's going on in the cyber world. The rest of the stuff can figure itself out, I guess. I don't know. We're not we're not messing with that. We're going to talk about cyber stuff. So if you want to check it out, it is on iTunes. Uh, it's out there kicking around. Cup of cyber. Looks like things are coming back to normal. Hope you guys are having a good week. Tuesday, the 15th, mid-month, making it halfway through the month time is rolling right along weather's changing here out in virginia we got cool cool weather coming uh it's 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 coming the other thing I, i'm i'm gonna reach out to you guys again i'm gonna put something by this weekend i'm gonna put it on the website cybericon.com i am going to do a casting call for mentors i need mentors because i've got people coming in now asking for mentorship in the cyber world and some of you guys have been around some of you guys have been there and done that and not only got the t-shirt probably made the t-shirt and we need your help we got another generation coming up and we need to take care of them we need to tell them what to do what they need to do to get set in this world i i, I see people with certifications, with education, with with experience that can't get jobs. And then I see jobs that are going unfilled. So there's a disconnect. We really need, we need folks that have been out there that have done that. Hiring managers, people that have hired people before, people that have filled positions that can help these people get, get on the right path. You know, if you've got the certifications, if you've got training, if you've got experience, there are jobs out there. We, there's a disconnect somewhere in, in the system. 
There's people that are having recs, requirements for jobs, unfilled. So why is that happening? Good morning, Paul. Uh, it's good to see you. I don't know how's the volume on this thing. I don't know how many, how the volume is. I don't know. Let's let's roll the intro. We got two, only two things to talk about this morning. I'm trying to cut down the content. For a while there, we were talking about four or five things every morning. I think if it if it makes sense, we'll do that. But I'm gonna start focusing just on those things that I think can really help you in the day. And I think today. That's the FBI warning about credential stuffing. We've talked about credential stuffing before, but we're going to just dive in and look at that. And we're going to start talking. Gartner, Gartner is talking about the zero trust model. What do you guys know? What do you know about the zero, the zero trust model? So let's throw the intro up here and let's start talking about the news. Groovy, groovy guitar tunes in the morning. So, where do we start? I think we're going to start. We're going to start with the FBI, and then we'll come back and we'll talk about Gartner and Zero Trust. I think, I think that's the way to jump in and talk about this stuff this morning. So let's start. Start with the friends of the FBI, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, Fidelity bravery and integrity is their catchword um, in this article you know and as always the article is down in the show notes uh, the FBI says credential stuffing attacks are behind some recent bank uh, bank hacks bank attacks and this is a pretty good article from ZDNet um, so credential stuffing so first of all First part of the article goes on and talks about what credential stuffing is. And when we're talking, we talk about security controls. Security controls are always based on something that makes sense for security, but but we don't we don't have a lot of people that want to do it for one reason or another. And I got some comments here. Let's see. The common good. I think the common good is good. Um, that's that the mentorship. We got to mentor the, the younger folks up. And then volume. Uh, volume up. Volume down. Volume's too much. Volume is 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 good. The volume's bad. I don't know. Paul, what's volume mean? Uh, I'll take it up a little bit. Hopefully, I just want to... I know that you. if you're watching other things and you... Jump over to this one, and the volume's too loud on this one, too quiet on the other one. I don't know. I'll make sure the volume's loud. I just get volume. Volume, Paul. Remember that means the volume is too much or too little. You tell me. So, one of the security controls we have is you don't reuse credentials, right? We don't ever want to reuse credentials. And we see this a lot. A lot of people do this. They'll say, We've got a number of security controls we impose on people, right? We go to, we go, we build a system. We say, you got to have a password, right? And that password has to meet a lot of complexity requirements. It's got to be, you know, upper character, lower character, a number, special character. Some places say you have to have two of each. And it has to be at least 14 characters long, or it has to be 18 characters. It has eight characters. Whatever it is, we, we define a requirement. And that's based on the best security principles, right? It's, it, it's based on how long does it take a hacker to break our password. And we know that given modern days, passwords can be broken pretty quickly. So we have to, we have to build that complexity up to where it's difficult to break a password. And by the time we built this password, out this requirement it becomes you know obviously becomes a complex password so it's let's say it's 14 characters long and we're going to require two uppercase two lowercase two special characters and two numbers that's our password requirement right and we're going to say other things it can't be changed more than once a day you can't reuse the last 24 um all kinds of you know we, we've got these requirements around our password and now the user comes in 
and we always have to think how is the end user going to deal with our security requirements so the way most end users deal with these complex passwords is they build a nice strong complex password and then they use it everywhere right they'll use it at work they'll use it in their banking system they'll use it for youtube they'll use it for netflix they'll use it for google because it's a strong password and that's that's good that it's a strong password the bad part is we're reusing it and and we know tap i don't know i'd imagine i'm sure there's statistics out there somewhere but i'm sure most people have probably between 50 and 100 different accounts when we start thinking about hulu and netflix and and disney plus and the bank and work and all these other mail systems and all the things we deal with people are dealing with dozens or maybe even more than a hundred different accounts so they say to make it easy on me i'll develop a nice strong password it'll meet these requirements it'll be 14 characters long upper lower special number all the things all of the things and i'll reuse that which in theory makes sense to the end user because it's a strong password it's gonna be hard to break now the problem is not with what happens to the end user but what happens with the people holding that password for you so i use the same password everywhere right as, a, as this end user i'm using the same password in a number of places and the site that i use it for so maybe i'm, I'm going out to, to larry's auto report pair part and i got to get a part for my my car i'm going to take down route 66. i've got to get a part i've got to create an account before i can get the part shipped to me so i use that same password that i've used everywhere else because it's strong now larry doesn't secure his database and his database is breached somehow and my password and my username are added to a breach site and now it's available for either users in the dark web or it's available for just anyone. Sometimes these things are just publicly available. Um, and you go out there and you say, okay, the bad guy can go out there and he's gonna find my password now. And now there's scripting and tools that I can put that user ID and that password in, and I can start using, trying that combination on a number of different sites. I can just, through an automated process, I can try your password and your username on different sites. And if I've been reusing that password, it's gonna open my, my account on different sites. And that's obviously a bad thing. So that's, in a nutshell, that's password stuffing. We're taking a, a username and a password we found on a breach site, or through, normally it's on a breach site, we could find it through some other methods. Maybe we broke into a system and we're using those credentials and we're going to reuse it. We're gonna stuff it into different places. Now there's another security principle at play here. And one of those is, is we know that there's automated attacks coming at us. So normally we'll have a lockout feature on our, our login, right? So a lot of places, if you put your password in three or five times, it's gonna lock the account for a period of time, right? So if I put it in and it locks it, then it's not gonna it's not gonna work for maybe 15 minutes right so what these guys have done that build these tools is they don't just load your username and password in there they maybe they load a hundred usernames and passwords or a thousand usernames and passwords and then they run an automated process against say google with these credentials that they found and it's going to try maybe it's found two different passwords for your name it's gonna try those two and then it's go to the next person so that it doesn't lock the account. So it's gonna roll through this automated process, not just your account. So you're one of many people that are being uh, attempted to get into your account. So it's gonna try your account. It's gonna try the next person's account. It's gonna keep going until it finds one that works and then it's gonna add that to the, hey, this, this works on this site, right? So essentially we're taking the account and we're trying it on, on this graphic this graphic here 
We're going to try it on LinkedIn. We're going to try it on Twitter. We're going to try it on Amazon. We're going to try it on Venmo. We're going to keep going until we find ones that work. And, and, and this graphic, if you were listening, you can't see it, but you know, it. LinkedIn didn't work, but Facebook, Twitter, and Amazon worked, and Venmo didn't work. So now it's on a list that says, this password worked on Facebook, Twitter, and Amazon. Now as the bad guy, I can go back in and I can log in interactively to those accounts and do whatever I want on those accounts. So again, it's hard, it's going to be hard for security professionals at an organization to stop end users from doing this in any other method than education. We have to educate our end users not to do this because on this list over here, it couldn't, it might, maybe it's not LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Amazon, Venmo. Maybe it's our corporate VPN account. Maybe it's our corporate mail account. Maybe it's our an account that logs into a secure server at our organization. Those could be tried too. So for best practices, we want to tell, we want to have a policy first. It's always got, and you guys, I, I know technical people hate this, but it's got to start. It's got to start with a policy. We've got to put in policy that your credentials at XYZ company or XYZ organization or the department of XYZ, your credentials you use here can't be used somewhere else. It's forbidden for you to use them somewhere else. And I know that's administrative. That's an administrative thing. So. First of all, we're going to have a percentage of the people that are going to read the policy and say, okay, cool, I'm not going to use, I will create a special account for my work account, and at least help, that helps protect our work account. They may be doing the sharing of passwords, you know, using the same password on all their other accounts, but at least they're not doing it at their work account. That's not perfect for us as security people. We should be taking care of our people. So we got to train them why they shouldn't do this, right? They shouldn't do this. Now, another thing we can do, technically, we can build a script as well that looks for the username that we have and maybe looks for the user's first name or the user's last name. And we can go out to those breach sites and we can look for our users out there and then we can determine the password they're using and then we can put that password into our system and encrypt it the same way we encrypt our normal passwords and we don't have to look at the user's password but we can match the hash with the hashes that are in our system and if they match we can determine that that user has used the same credential that's found on our breach site on our corporate site or our organizational site so it's a little more technical work so we can do it administratively that should be our first thing if you don't have that in your policy today if you don't have a policy today that says, do not reuse your organizational credentials, username and password, in any other system, you need to get that in your policy. It needs to be in your policy. It needs to be enforceable because if it's not on paper. If it's not backed by leadership, you as a security person, risk, cyber, you can't do nothing about it. So we've got to get in paper first. And then we got to, to train our users why they shouldn't reuse their passwords. And then the third part is we can technically go out there to the breach sites. A lot of them, you know, uh, have I been owned? Have I been owned? Uh, .com, I think. Is it .com or .net? I'll have to look. Um, have I been pwned? I can go out there and look. I can put in a username. I can see if that username's shown up on there. So we want to do that. That's the, that's the advanced step. That's the... That's the level three. That's when we get up there. The first part, get it in your policy. You have to have it enforceable. You have to let the end user know that it's against the rules, and then you can move forward. So Alex has joined us this morning. Good morning. Whoops. Good morning, Alex. Good to see you. So now that we've talked ad nauseum about stuffing, um, there's a pretty good graphic. I don't have it on my deck, but there's a pretty good graphic on how credentials, the credential stuffing process works. Um, on the on the article, you can grab the article and look at it. So um, the article says credential stuffing attacks weren't always an issue, but became one 
in the late 2010s after hackers leaked billions of usernames and password combinations to hundreds of companies over the past five years. Slowly, hackers began collecting these leaked credentials and trying them against various online services. First, they only targeted online gaming and food ordering accounts. Um, but as the tactic proved to be more and more successful, more professional hacking groups switched to targeting accounts at online banking services and cryptocurrency exchanges aimed to steal financial assets. They're good. They're, again, we go back to money. It always goes back to cash. The saw butt, man. Um, according, to the, according to the FBI advisory, security advisory obtained by ZDNet today, credential stuffing attacks have increased in recent year, years and have become a major problem for financial organizations. Since 2017, a couple years ago, the FBI has received numerous reports on credential stuffing attacks against U.S. financial institutions, collectively detailing nearly 50,000 account compromises. That's a good chunk of accounts. Victims included banks, financial service providers, insurance companies, and investment firms, according to the FBI. Uh, FBI officials said that many of these attacks targeted application programming interfaces, or APIs. The reason they target APIs, and they say this in here, APIs generally don't use multi-factor authentication because they're not an interactive logon. They're an, a logon between a system and another system to do something, right? So normally an API or an application programming interface is one computer system talking to another computer system. And that may be simple as a banking app, but it could be you know, a system that keeps track of when your bills are due, right? And it's not necessarily you logging on, but it's the system logging on and doing an interaction with a, with a bank or another system. So um, APIs generally are less likely to require multi-factor authentication or MFA. And obviously to defeat this, we want to use multi-factor authentication as many places as we can. You know, if your bank uses MFA, if your, um, if Facebook uses MFA, wherever we can use multi-factor authentication, and that may be a token-based multi-factor authentication. It could be something like Duo, an app that you run on your phone. It could just be that callback feature where the system, when you log in, the system sends you a text, and you use that text. You can't log in until you use, provide both your password, your username, your password, and that code from your phone. So now you've got multi-factor authentication. You've got Something you own, could be your phone, that's going to be that multi-factor. So you have to have that password and the phone because that code's going to come to your phone. That's going to provide your multi-factor. There's a ton of ways we can do it nowadays. Um, so it's been, it's been crazy in this, this credential stuffing. So there's a, a few of the accounts they, they point out. And the FBI never, you know, generally never puts out who it was. So they say, in July 2020, not that long ago, a mid-sized U.S. financial institution reported its internet banking platform had experienced a constant barrage, they put that in quotes, of logon attempts with various credential pairs, which it believed was indicative of the use of bots, which we, we know is probably how they're going to, the bad guy is going to render this attack using an automated script. Between January and August 2020, just just last month, uh, unidentified actors used aggregation software to link actor-controlled accounts to client accounts belonging to the same institution, resulting in more than $3.5 million in fraudulent check withdrawals and ACH transfers. However, reporting does not indicate whether the increased logins and fraudulent transactions could be attributed to the same actors. Well, it's a pretty good indicator. They wouldn't have put it out if they didn't think there was a connection there. Um, obviously, FBI is not going to do something unless they have direct proof. But if there's an indication, it's probably pretty, pretty good. Another one, between June 2019 and January 2020, a New York-based investment firm and international money transfer platform experienced credential stuffing attacks against their mobile API, according to a credible financial source. Although... Neither entity reported any fraud. Uh, one of the attacks resulted in an extended system outage that prevented the collection of nearly $2 million in revenue. 
And the third one they cite here between June and November 2019, a small group of cyber criminals targeted financial service institution and three of its clients, only three clients, um, resulting in compromise of more than 4,000 online banking accounts, uh, according to credible financial sources. The cyber criminals then used the bill payment services to submit fraudulent payments for about 40,000, 40 grand in total to themselves, which then they, they wired to foreign, foreign banking accounts. According to a 2020 case study, uh, on one of the firm's security researchers identified more than 1,500 email addresses with 6,000 passwords exposed in more than 80 breaches. Some of the credentials belong to company leadership, system administrators, and other employees with privileged access. So credential stuffing has been around. We talked about it a few months ago. Um, we just, you know, it, got to, got, it goes back, train your end users. We have to train our end users. That's, that's number one. Um, really, number one is getting in a policy. You get in a policy, that way you can train the end user on the policy. You know, don't share your accounts. It's part of your password policy. Don't share your account. Don't share your password with your organizational password. Shouldn't be shared anywhere else. It should only be used at XYZ Corp. And only the Department of XYZ. That's where you got to use it. So credential stuffing, a long, long trip down the credential stuffing path. path. I think it's important to dig into these articles. Look behind the, the veil, what's going on behind the veil and what we can do about it. So what we can do about it. Go to work today. When you go to your organization, look at your policy. Look at your identification and authentication, your IDAM policy. Look at your password policy. Does it forbid your users from sharing their credentials, from reusing their credentials anywhere? So you don't want to... Another thing we don't want to do is we don't want our end users to use the same password on their unprivileged account and their privileged account. That's a bad move too. So they shouldn't be sharing their passwords anywhere. That's inside the organization or outside. Inside the organization, we can look, we can look at those people that have privileged accounts and we can check the hash to see if it matches their unprivileged account and zap that. That's a bad thing. That's a really bad thing. Uh, but then we can go on to check outside the organization. Um, are they part of a breach? Do they have the same password? Can we train our users? Can we put that as part of our annual training? Don't reuse your password. And not just don't reuse your password, but don't reuse your password. And this is why. This is what can happen if you reuse your, reuse your password. And don't, don't, don't focus it at work. Make sure your end users know. Don't share your password with other accounts either. Create and here comes the hard part. They said, "Well, how do I remember all of those different passwords? I've got fifty different accounts, and I have to have fifty different complex passwords." And that's where I would turn to a reputable password vault. Uh, put it in a password vault. I know if you get something like McAfee antivirus, um, they give you access to their vault program, um, and then it's. All of your passwords are protected with one password, hopefully a different strong password. And when you need to go use it, you can go check your accounts out and it can auto-populate your, your passwords. Um, I'm not saying something like Google. I'm not advocating Google for this. Like Chrome will do it too. I'm saying go get a dedicated password vault. Um, there's also companies that that's all they do is they have a, a software-based password vault you can use. I, I would advocate that. That's better. Um, heck, if you have to, and I know this a bunch of, bunch of security folks will get mad at me, if you have to, I would rather see you have different passwords on all your accounts and have them strong passwords and write them down. And I know, oh my God, don't write them down. But if I write them down, at least you've got to get physical access to that book that I've written them down in. You can't just get it offline. You can't find it on a dump site and reuse it everywhere. I'm not saying that's best practice. I'm saying that if that's the only option, at least it's an option. At least it's not the same password everywhere. At least then the bad guy has to get and steal your password book. 
And if they, if they do, if they do steal your password book, it's all over then because then they have access to all your accounts. So I'm not saying that's your your best thing. I'm saying get a password vault, get a reputable password vault, and use that. Different passwords everywhere. That's what we should be doing. Um, so that's that's the FBI talking about credential stuffing. It's 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 going on. It's going on. Um, next thing we're going to talk about. That's a bad transition, I guess. Gartner, Gartner talking about zero trust model, right? So the Norton zero trust in cybersecurity, uh, the notion, sorry, not, not Norton, the notion of zero trust in cybersecurity is a misunderstood term, according to Neil McDonald, VP and distinguished analyst at Gartner. Speaking during the Gartner Security and Risk Virtual Summit, McDonald noted that extending the trust model is, in fact, necessary for an organization to work efficiently. Um, main issue is too much implicit trust in extending security practices that are based upon using physical location and ownership uh, and control. This does not work well in modern digital business in which there are multiple devices used across multiple locations. Instead, our goal I guess that's the Gartner goal, is to replace that implicit trust with a continuously expressed explicit trust levels based on risk. Um, so, and if you haven't got the new buzzword, the new newer buzzword, this is one of the newer buzzwords, is zero trust. And, and we're moving away. You know, we've talked about this for a long time is in the olden days, we had firewalls and we had perimeter defenses and we had IDS. And as you move from the outside in, things became less secure. So we had a hard shell, and every security person can tell you this, a hard shell and a soft GUI center. So once you got in as a bad guy, once you broke through that perimeter, once you got inside an organization, you could pretty much do whatever you want. Could roll back and forth. You can do all kinds of stuff because you're inside. There's no all the all the defenses are wrapped around the outside. So you got inside, and then you can do what you want. You can move laterally, and that's where most of our attacks are based: is getting through that perimeter and attacking the inside. So McDonald says ultimately, zero trust is moving away from traditional perimeter-based model, where physical locations define trust to a model in which explicit trust decisions are based on various factors, including identity, location, user behavior, and sensitivity of the data being handled. So we have to think of things more logically when we grant access to things. Um, for organizations to apply such an approach successfully, the first focus should be on zero trust networking. Uh, and a lot, of, a lot of zero trust folks are gonna say, uh, zero trust doesn't equal segmentation. And we're not talking about segmentation here. Uh, we're talking about not trusting the TCP IP network. And McDonald goes on to talk about this. This is because the TCP IP network was built at a time when trust could be assumed, but things have changed significantly. IP addresses are the weak identifiers at best, and they can easily be spoofed. Of course they can. Uh, any any person that just took three classes in the CEH course knows you can spoof an IP address or a MAC address if that can, for that matter. He noted this means authentication needs to take place first before the connection is ever granted rather than afterwards. So we're saying before you even get on the network, this harkens back to 802.1x, back in the days of using radius to authenticate people onto the network. So you can't even get onto the stinking network if you can't be authenticated. So that's what he's talking about here. You can't get on the network unless you can be authenticated. So then we're not trusting an IP address. We're not trusting a MAC address. We're not trusting you being plugged into a cable in the conference room. We're trusting that authentication before you even get on the network. Um, McDonald goes on to say, legacy VPNs, which grant access externally, are therefore not fit for the purpose and must be phased out. We see a lot of attacks against VPNs. Uh, we see a lot of VPNs that are becoming an attack. As you know, if you, you watch the channel, you know that uh, ransomware 
continually is trying to break down VPNs because we know we put our, our remote desktop protocol devices behind a VPN. Um, McDonald commented, we want to adopt a way of thinking which says the network location doesn't matter. The network is always untrusted. Always assume it's compromised. Everything needs to be encrypted. And that's going to be a hard sell, guys. Um, everything needs to be encrypted. We need to encrypt at the application layer. We need to encrypt at the network layer. We need to encrypt it at rest. Everything needs to be encrypted because we don't trust anything anymore. And that's what McDonald's saying here. Don't trust anything. Don't trust people on your network. Don't trust them anywhere. So if you're on the VPN, if you come in through the VPN, you're still not trusted. We're still not trusting thing, things. Then from the moment access is allowed, continuous monitoring of the user's behavior must take place. So we're going to use behavioral-based tracking. Does this look normal? And does this look normal for that user? Does this look normal for that type of user? Um, and even down to, does the login time seem to make sense, right? Um, monitoring, keep track of your, and, and, and it's all work. I know it's work and it's money. Um, don't, it's not to be taken lightly. The next aspect is to apply zero trust principles within the organization's internal data centers. McDonald goes on again, quote here, uh, the problem is most data center networks are flat. Where the bad guy, uh, when the bad guy gets in, they moved uh, unimpeded laterally. What we want are data centers built for a breach. Again, assuming everything is compromised from the start, right? Uh, a few years ago, 10 years ago, the web designers started doing this thing called mobile first. You started building all your websites for a mobile device first because most people access the web now from a mobile mobile device. So they're saying the same thing. Treat every connection as if it's compromised, right? Um, he wanted, went on to outline other areas in which zero trust principle can be applied to organizations and can be more effectively protecting themselves from the cyber criminals. They, inc they include the removal of admin rights from end user systems makes sense, implementing a uh, default deny on critical systems or critical servers and encrypting all data on default and implementing multi-factor authentication for all administrators. Um, you know, they're, they, they don't put everything in the articles. You have to want, they want you to go join Gartner and be a member of Gartner. McDonald stated that the ongoing shift to the cloud could serve as a catalyst for these type of initiatives to be introduced over time. You can't flip a light switch and go from go to zero trust, but we can pragmatically take these steps. So the first step is saying we're compromised. We're just we're compromised, right? And that's where you go. You go from there. Uh, we know if, if you've been around the block, if you've been in this world for a while, if you've been in just an IT a while, you know IP addresses can be spoofed. You know MAC addresses can be spoofed. And to use these as methods for determining if someone is a valid user or not is a bad idea, right? Now, if you've around, been around a while, you also know that something like 8021X for, for authenticating before you get on the network is hard, right? And, you know, you still, used to be the joke, you know, when you're in security, you go talk to the IT folks and they wouldn't want to do something because it's hard. It's hard. And now we get to eat our own dog food because to move to this zero trust model, it's going to be hard. But the cool thing, if you look at zero trust, the cool thing, especially in a, in a world like we're working today, where so many people are remote, if we went to zero trust before this pandemic, before the plague hit, it wouldn't be a big deal. Because if your end user is at home or your end user is on your network at work, it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter. We don't trust the work network. We don't trust the home network. It's, it doesn't matter where they're at because we don't trust either one. There's zero, and it just, there, there is. There is zero trust. You have to be on a system that we trust. But that's not the only thing. You also have to be logged in, hopefully with multi-factor, to an account we trust. 
you have to be acting in a way that makes us trust you. You know, uh, that means maybe not logging in after your normal login hours. Maybe maybe not. You know, if you don't have an admin account, not trying to log into an admin account. If you're doing things that make us trust you, and it's going to be a combination of three, four, five, six factors that allow you to get into the network, that allow you to get access to data. If you get into a database and you're trying to access things you're not supposed to, that's probably an indicator. That's an indicator that you're trying to do nefarious things. And again, that's a strike against you. And then if you get too many strikes against you, you get knocked off the network. Um, zero trust is coming. Um, if you're in any organization, you're using zero trust right now. I would love to hear about it. It's coming. We got to get there, and it's going to be a huge uphill fight. But once we get to the top of the hill, something like this pandemic is is nothing. It's you got to work from home, go work from home. You got to work from the road. You want to work from your mobile device, and that's again, we don't care if it's a computer, we don't care if it's your tablet, we don't care if it's your cell phone, because all the devices are equally uh, equally untrusted. Uh, with Gunner, Gunnery Sergeant Hartman on uh, Full Metal Jacket, right? You're all equally worthless in my eyes, is what he says. So these devices are all equally untrusted in the eyes of zero trust. Until you meet the bar, until you can do three, four, five, six things that make me trust you, then you get access to the network. And then you only get access until you do something that makes you untrustworthy. So we're going to be monitored. And end users need to know that. You're going to be monitored. And if you do do something that makes you not trustworthy, you're going to start getting your rights taken away until maybe you get knocked off the network. I don't know. You guys doing zero trust? Anyone Anyone doing this? Zero trust out there? Have you heard of it? Are you trying it? Are you moving forward? Um, I would think the government would be moving forward on this. They have the ability to, to, to force things faster than anyone else does. Um, so that's your zero trust model. I'd say I'd suggest you start looking into zero trust um yeah we're going from and we did this in firewalls if you remember back in the days early days of firewalls you know we had to put a deny all statement in there so that last statement is is always is deny all right so unless you meet one of those use cases in the top of the firewall you get that last one it's just an it's an explicit deny if you don't meet one of the statements that says you're authorized in, you're authorized out, right? So that's your first rule is always that explicit deny. And that's what we're doing here, an explicit zero trust. It's a new model of cybersecurity. It's it's coming to a network, a theater near you. Uh, I'd like to hear what you guys think. What, what are your thoughts? Throw them in the comments below. Let me throw, throw them in the comments below. If you're live, if you're with us live in the morning, you know, throw them. Throw them up on the screen. I would like to see what you got to say. That is that is zero trust. And you guys, I want to make sure that you have something to talk about around the water cooler today. Um, <laughs> of all the days, the 15th of the month, the 15th of September, is, is there's two holidays I found today. Make a hat day and make a felt hat day. I don't know. Now, this is the best we can do, but this is what it's all about. Make a hat day. Um, celebrated, held on September 15th. Make a hat day is a day for fun. Design, make, and wear your hat for yourself today. Put your personality into it or make a hat from a character you'd like to imitate for the day. Um, yeah. Rules for make, make a hat day are, are pretty simple. Just make a hat, any hat can be for you, for your mom, your dad. Wearing a hat is optional, but that's half the fun. Uh, we don't know where it came from. Don't know who started this thing. Don't know anything about it. Um, make that's the best we can do today. Make a hat day, guys. Um, if you got a, if you're around the water cooler, around the bubbler, as they I think they say in Great Britain. I don't know if we have anybody from Great Britain out there. Around the bubbler, you know, Alex. Alex always has, has has the great quote: "Zero trust is like an ex-wife." Yeah, I think I would have to agree with you, Alex. Zero trust is like an ex-wife. I obviously 
I don't have an ex-wife, but I can definitely see that. You know, everything is suspicious, right? Um, those people I, those people uh, that I know that have ex-wives, everything has to be looked at beyond just what the statement is. There's always you always have to look for something beyond just what what is being asked for. <laughs> I think zero trust. That's a great analogy, Alex. Uh, zero trust is like an ex-wife. So. If you guys are out there, I hope you're having a good day. Hopefully things are moving the way you want them to move. Hopefully this helped you understand more, be prepared more for these two things we're seeing. Credential stuffing, it's a real threat, and zero trust, it's a real protective measure. Fixing both of them is kind of uphill. Um, I'd love to hear throw in the comments below. First of all, you know, I gotta say it because we're on YouTube. You know, please like, subscribe, you know, comment, hit the bell to be notified, share with your friends, all that kind of stuff. You got security folks out there, share with them. Do know that we are on iTunes. If you go out to iTunes, check us out, um, download. You can download the episode and take it with you to enjoy wherever you go. Um, watch on YouTube. I'd love to, you know. Love to see you share, share with your friends. I am going to get up on the website this week sometime, definitely before Monday. Some Something about mentorship. And I know, Alex, you had kind of mentioned you'll help out with mentorship. Um, I'm seeing more and more people coming to me that need help. They've done certifications. They've done some training. They've done some things. They want to get into security, and they can't, which makes no sense because there's jobs that are going unfilled. So we got to help them. we got to help them. So I'll put something on the, the interwebs on Cyber Recon site. I'm going to need a handful of handful of mentors to start with. I'll do what I can. I'm talking to a young man tonight. Guy came out of the Navy. He's, he's going to get his Linux Plus certification. He's Security Plus certified. Um, he's, Splunk, he's Splunk certified. Navy vet can't get a job how in nova in northern virginia how 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 is that possible how is that possible i just don't i don't know so i'm gonna sit down with this young man tonight we're gonna talk around we're gonna have dinner we're gonna try to figure out where is it is it a bad resume is it bad interviewing what is it but i need help i need the help of the community let me know in the comments below if you're willing to mentor. We're gonna we're gonna have some sign up forms available by next Monday for those folks that want to mentor, and we'll put the other half on the website too. If you're looking for a mentor, we'll put that that there too. And this is about cyber. All I'm talking I'm talking. I know there's other fields out there. We're talking about cyber because that's that's where we need to go. And, and Alex, you're exactly right. Right, mentorship. You know we're. Building the next generation of InfoSec professionals. Why make them go through all the hard things we've seen other than just, you know, I did it, so they got to do it. That makes no sense. Let's help them. Let's get them a leg up so they start faster than we did. Let's give them a running start to the field because we need folks, right? He, he could be a Russian spy. He, he might be. I'll check his 214. He says he's from the Navy, so we'll check him out. Funny things when I talk to him, he... Um, he said, I asked him what service he was, he was a vet, so I asked him what branch he was in. He said, Navy, but we can we can save the jokes until we meet. <laughs> so that gives me a, a good a good feeling about the guy. He's got some sense of humor, which is, 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 is good. Could be a Russian spy. Yeah, maybe the guy's a Russian spy. The guy always got to worry about that. But, you know, that's part of mentorship. We had to figure out where these guys are coming from, what they've done, where their background's at, and try to get them set up. You know, there's a lot of places, maybe it's just a clearance thing. I know out here in Virginia, there's a lot of places that require that old clearance. But there's a lot of places we can do public trust, right? And public trust can be done, well, this is the government, so it's not done in a weekend, but it's done pretty quickly. And then we know there's a ton of places that um, folks can work. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll put them through the, yeah, the zero trust model will be fully in place on the mentorship program. Um and I don't have any ability, I don't, you know, as, as far as mentorship goes, I don't know. Maybe there's the ability we can do some type of background checking. 
Uh, ID check, ID check is at the door. That's right. We'll give the give us hand scanners. Um, so, you know, as you guys know, I'm, I I retired from the the army, and I went on to Quantico the other day. Uh, we went on to, to do some grocery shopping at the commissary on Quantico, um, and they have the little scanners now. It's nice. They, they they're moving forward. Now it's not just an ID check. Now they scan the back of it and validate that you're supposed to be on there. Your ID hasn't expired, and mine doesn't expire like 2023 or 2026 or something crazy like that. Um, I guess not so crazy anymore. When I first got it, it seemed like crazy because it was so far out in the in the future. But uh, it said that I wasn't eligible anymore, so I've got to get a hold of Deers. So um, ID check is is in effect. Yes, Alex, we'll, we'll ID check folks at the door. So that's what I'm talking about. I Again, like, comment, subscribe, hit the bell to be notified. Comment and definitely comment if you want to be a mentor, if you're looking for a mentor, let me know in the comments. If you are listening to this on iTunes, um, Monday, which next Monday is 21st, check cyberrecon.com, cyber-recon.com. The 21st will have mentor information out there. Be a mentor, man. Or woman. Uh, I know. Uh, Sierra's usually on, the, on in the morning. She might be uh, out doing good things. Yeah. Definitely men, women, boys and girls, pets of all ages. We need people in the security field. Um, I don't, like I was saying, I don't agree with the that cat yesterday. Was I was watching on YouTube that said, oh, there's too many people in IT. Um, maybe there's too many coders in IT. There's too many people that are chasing the easy path in IT. Um, as we're mentoring, Alex, you know, you know this as well as anybody else. Security is not an easy field. It's not a field you're going to go in and you're going to study for a month or two and you're going to be done. You're going to be 30 years later still learning this stuff. Um, that's that's one of the things we got to impart on these folks is that it's it's not it's not. Not that field you learn and then you're done. It's that field you learn and you're learning, constantly learning in the security field. And that's just the way it is, as Cronkite says. That's the way it is. It is September 15th. Enjoy you guys coming out and seeing me in the morning. I'd love the interaction. Love to hear those folks that either want a mentor or want to be a mentor. Don't think you can't be a mentor. Um, I think that's one of the biggest fallacies people have is they underplay their qualifications. Um, I've been doing this a while. If you've been doing security a while, you would be amazed when you talk to somebody new how much you just know in your head that you just think is implied. When you start talking to somebody new in the field, you're going to understand that experience you've got in your head, how valuable it is. Um, let's share that with folks. Let's share, share that with the next generation of InfoSec folks. But anyways, I'm going to let you go. It's 8.23 a.m. on the 15th of September. Hope you have a good make-a-hat day. Have, have a good, good old make-a-hat day. Go make a hat and wear it and be some someone you want to be. Hopefully that's hat is just your hat and you want to be who you are. That's the best person to be. But anyways, I'll see you tomorrow, 7.30 right here. Same bat time, same bat channel. We'll be here talking about Security of the day, we'll unpack it, we'll look at it from every angle we can, we'll dissect it, and we'll hopefully make it better for you to deal with tomorrow. So, Sierra Bravo's going to say, Mike Bravo's going to say, go get some, I'm going to say go get some, I'm going to say take care of each other, take care of your friends, your family, your coworkers, your organization, do the secure thing out there, and we will see you tomorrow morning, guys.